0: Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy?
1: Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Lindhart and Garrett Isler here with you on our last episode of 2020, our first year in business. We yes. Made, as, we, as you like to say, we made it.
0: We made it to the end of 2020.
1: And, um, and we are accomplishing something I didn't know how or if or when we'd accomplish, which is we're going to talk about season one. And in our last podcast, we said at the end, we were going to pick our favorite two episodes or favorite and worst episode and review them entirety. But we've actually managed to watch all or part of each of the uh, 19 episodes that are available streaming of season one out of 24. I think I've watched a little more than you Garrett based on what you told me. Um, And we're gonna talk about each of them relatively quickly to still fill the time we normally fill. But these are, now that I've seen them again, I reminded and remembered that these are really not very good. <laughs> Which
0: is confirming your
1: earlier Yes, they're suspicion. tough to sit through, especially because I know what, it's just, it's like watching a different show and it's hard to believe. It is in any way. It's ways, the same yeah. show and yeah. it actually got to a different format. Um, yeah. So we have only one clip to play. We actually only found one episode with one clip and not because it's funny, just because it's interesting. And we'll get to that. But we're gonna go through and order every episode and say the few that we couldn't watch. I realized after um, you and I talked last, and I told you this midweek is I don't have season one on DVD. So there are, that is why And had I, no desire to no desire. When I bought the DVDs, <laughs> right. they were not it was not a complete set. You had to buy them individually, and I know desire to buy season one. Right. So we are lucky in a fact in effect that season so many season one episodes are available streaming because i think there's more percentage of season one episodes available than there are any other season i think but anyway we've only missed out on a few and well I'll-
0: i would i'll tell you what cbs if you're listening or paramount whoever own, whoever owns, paramount still owns the dvd rights right
1: well Paramount, cbs are yeah they're oh they're they're,
0: they're paramount, so, paramount it's, Earth, it's viacom but, okay yeah. if you're listening viacom I will review the other seven season one episodes if you send me that DVD.
1: Okay. You hear that? Yes, <laughs> Moonvez for a, a name that's not relevant oh, anymore? Oh, yeah.
0: Now he, he'd be happy to talk to someone um, probably not.
1: So... Uh, I would
0: call this, Ted, I, I think a good way to call this is like a, a season one, a a quick overview.
1: It's a capsule review of every episode. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're just doing talk- a quick
0: overview, trying to uh, encompass as many episodes as we could digest during this time and some will go into more detail than others and try to give a sense critically of our opinions of them uh and enough to refresh people's memory
1: yes and i know there's probably people listening who like are fans of the s episodes and, and and like them i guess as much as any other episode we are not in that camp um so We watched 17 episodes on CBS All Access, that's what's there, and two episodes on Hulu. I don't know why Hulu has two more than CBS, two episodes that CBS All Access doesn't. I'm sure there's some weird rights thing. Um, I did not laugh at anything. Like there's not one moment I actually laughed. There were amusing scenes, but the laugh track is so horrible and actually Mm. there's an episode that addresses that in a way. Those single camera angles they use when they're filming them, you know in a way that you can film in a single camera i find really not pleasant to sit through like distracting these angles they take
0: yeah it's kind of this awkward because of that format which of course was was actually very popular during in network television at that time right of the the filmed comedy yeah uh, sitcom with a laugh track brady bunch etc i was associated with brady
1: bunch well brady um, bunch has no brady yeah brady bunch is a single camera show but felt more like a three camera show in a way just mm. because this feels like they're trying to be artistic at
0: yeah this kind of is a weird in between uh, mixture of cinematic techniques
1: and classic television so it doesn't always work i was surprised however how many individual little moments i remembered
0: yeah me too I, right
1: because i guess when we were 12 11 10 watching in wpix in new York. I watched these a lot, I guess. These would
0: circulate just as much right. as the others, right. And I
1: guess I didn't... I don't... I it's remember. funny, we
0: watched them side by side, right? Yes. And assumed, knew it was the same show and didn't make much of a big deal of it uh, when we were kids and
1: didn't get the whole laugh track thing. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't remember knowing that one season was better than another. So, uh, but... Um, and the scenes here they just go on so long yeah it's and a slower plotting slower it's just annoying um before that i do want to uh mention uh sheldon gartner uh who um asked that we uh, mention him by name and he corrected a correction of mine last week when i was correcting the fact that um richard what's his name from the uh frederick fredericks when uh Oscar asked him to sing his favorite song, and I thought Oscar didn't say the name of the song, but he did, and I said it's from Carousel last week when it's actually from Camelot. I think when I first said it, I, like in the original time we talked about that episode, I did say Camelot, but last week in my rush, I said Carousel Sheldon is pointing out that I should have said Camelot last week, so it's Camelot. Thank Duly you. noted. Okay, so let's get into it. So, the first episode of the entire series, we did not watch. It is not available. The Laundry Orgy. Why would they hold that one back? I, cannot, I yeah. do not know the rights issues. I don't know why. There's a lot of CBS shows. First of all, Honeymooners is not streaming anywhere, I don't think, for free. Hmm. You know, streaming. You can buy them. Uh, I Love Lucy, half the episodes have not been available for years streaming. And Odd couple. So, there's something with CBS Viacom rights where they do not sell the entire series streaming. I don't understand it i'm sure if a cbs viacom business affairs person was here they'd give us an explanation that would be interesting (laughs) they gotta
0: milk those dvd sales man
1: maybe Um, if you're a
0: true season one fan you have no choice you must buy the dvd
1: fairly intense title to have the word orgy in the pilot
0: yeah well i think it's that's a tone as as we'll get into that they're much more than later on they're kind of swingers in this i think as the show goes on they kind of uh, not only tone down the sexuality a little, but also the guys are getting older and it's less it's kind of, they make more fun of being older and out of it and but here i think there's still an impulse to portray them as young relatively young middle-aged swinging
1: single men but it's really felix in season one who wins oh yeah that's the surprise by right a lot that is the surprise. Um, by the way, I'm going to say we're not going to go through the ep- the writers of every episode. There's a lot of the familiar names we've been talking about. I will right. say the pilot was written by Jerry Belson and Gary Marshall. Yeah,
0: I think we should note when they write they have they write they wrote three uh, episodes of that first season, so I'll, it's we'll worth noting when they do. Hey, you know, in lieu of the lot being able to discuss the Lord la- Laundry Orgy, can I, I I have like just a quick riff on yes. uh, its relevance. I can see, as from what I remember of it, and it's one I remember the least, frankly. Let me just give a
1: quick synopsis. Yeah, give us the number. Yeah. So I, I want to give a synopsis for every episode as we go through it. So Oscar and Felix have a disastrous state with two English sisters, who of course, the Pigeon sisters. We'll mention the Pigeon sisters a little later when we get to an episode we watched with them. So go ahead. So, yeah, this the
0: pilot really emphasizes how indebted the show originally in its conception was to the movie and, by extension, the play. Because it's kind of replaying uh, or, or kind of a, 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 a elaborating or giving an alternate universe version of the scene in the original Odd Couple where Oscar arranges a double date for him and Felix and their neighbors, the Pigeon Sisters, who are played in the mo- by the same actresses in the movie as they are on the, the, in the uh, first season one. They're gone after season one. And but it's the fact that they're still hanging around is one of the many ways that season one is so resembles the movie, including the set. Yeah. And the fact that it's being filmed on, you know, a, a one camera cinema style. Uh, quick story, though, that I never got to tell, but I promise to keep it quick. The story of how Paramount got The Odd Couple and how it became not only a Paramount movie, but a Paramount TV show. You ready? Yes. So Neil Simon in 1963 has just written a couple of hit plays and, but he's still a young playwright and his age, but he's successful enough that his agent is one Swifty Lazar. Uh, Lazar. Yes. Yeah. The Swifty Lazar. And, uh, who's not known as a Broadway agent, but it's kind of a, you know, obviously a Hollywood agent and helped broker the film rights to, uh, barefoot in the park and come blow, come blow your horn, his first two plays. So in the summer of 63, uh, uh, Swifty Swiftie asked Neil Simon, like, well, what are you working on next? And he says, well, I got this idea for a play about two guy, two divorced guys. One's a, a neat freak and one's a slob and they move in together and they end up having the same problems they had when they were married and they become this kind of weird married couple. Swifty says, you think that's a, a, a good play? And Swifty says, not only do I think that's a good play, I think that's going to be a great movie. Why don't you come out to Hollywood, come out to LA and I'm going to give you a meeting with Paramount. Um, so a little while later, he flies out to LA they meet with based on that one line he gave him gave him just one sentence description of the a play that did not exist yet they sit down with the guy at paramount and swifty lazar says okay doc neil simon uh tell him what you told me and he says well i got an idea for a script of two guys uh, divorced and blah, blah 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 and they move in and they kind of get married executive said that's a great idea uh give us the rights And so then Neil Simon on the plane back to New York because I I better write this play. Uh, So in that moment, not only were the rights, the movie rights basically settled, but Paramount already was investing in this as the property where they made the season one basically one year after the movie came out. So it's amazing in retrospect how destined this was.
1: Um, I'm holding up something on Zoom for Garrett to see um, while we're talking. Look what I bought recently. You have. Yes, is from that book. Yes. The, this is a book called "The Play Goes On." It's Neil Simon's memoir, which I uh, uh, recently bought at a used bookstore and plan to read now. That, that is it. where I got that anecdote. Okay. Yeah. Well, I probably should have read it before we get before we get two more further into our podcast. But that is a great anecdote, and I, I will see it in the book. Um, I don't think we're missing much by not by not having seen this episode i i I can see in my head the pigeon sister sitting in the basement right the laundry with that drab basement that we saw in the grandpa episode as well yeah i don't think we're missing it all right number two episode number two of the seed so that aired 9 24 1970 that's when the pilot aired episode number two aired on december 1st 1970 it's called the fight of the felix the synopsis is after Oscar gets into a fight with a hockey player, Felix tries to stand up for him, but ends up in the boxing ring instead. So I remember this episode. This is with Richard X. Slattery, is the actor who plays Splint McCullough, uh, the hockey uh, player that Oscar gets into a fight with, um, or an argument with, and then Felix sticks up for Oscar and ends up challenging the guy, and the guy invites Felix to come into the ring. Uh, Richard Slattery was a New York City police uh, uh, police officer who became an actor. He's a lot of TV credits. He was only in one series as a regular, which was CPO Sharky, Don Rickles' failed uh, sitcom. Um, You know, this is just the whole premise is silly. The whole scene is (laughs) the whole the whole way it progresses is dumb. That whole boxing ring scene is just drags on and is just embarrassing. weird episode it's a weird
0: episode it's also also, given the first one like now given what i just said about the first one being so close to the spirit of the play this is one where they clearly decided okay let's do something totally different and unexpected which is to have felix get into a boxing match with someone which is supposed to be funny on its face but the whole but it turns out that felix is like a experienced boxer in school at least so it's not even as comical as
1: okay you just point out something what school do you remember the school no, I do not. He says he went to Harvard Business School in this episode, <laughs> which we never hear from again, and we know he's is not, not the case. How is he a businessman? I don't know. He says, I looked at it twice. He says, no. I was uh, something, something at the Harvard School of Business. Hmm. So that is just And ridiculous. is he already a, a photographer? You know, he Is it been a,
0: proven he's a photographer yet? Because one of the differences from the play and the movie, oh, here's a nice trivia bit. Felix's, Felix Ungar because Neil Simon spelled it U N G A R Felix Ungar's original job was not photographer, but
1: Uh, dentist. writing
0: the news for CBS. Oh, really in the play? Yes. (laughs) And I forget whether the line is included in the movie. Um, So the invention of him as a photographer is Gary Marshall and company's idea. Uh, But I don't think we see him at work at least until um,
1: for a couple more episodes. Well, um, yes, but it's not far away. So, a couple of things that come up from this episode: um, first of all, it's an early instance of when Felix is waiting for Oscar to come home for dinner. That whole, yeah, kind of their married couple thing, which they they did for a while, but then they kind of abandoned it. Uh, there's a lot more outdoor shots in this episode. A lot of shots of or yeah. this season. A lot of shots of them walking, and clearly they're not saying anything that we're hearing, but then there's this kind of really bad narration of, or dubbing of They're them doing
0: voiceovers yes. where you're hearing the dialogue, which is done in a very awkward post dub over the uh, filmed uh, establishing shots.
1: Yeah. So that's something we see. Also, we see a lot of Tony Randall with his shirt off in this season, <laughs> including in this yes. episode, yes, which is, uh, I, uh, I don't know why they did that so much. Um, I remember the black eye. I remember when, when, the right before the credits, when Oscar turns around uh, for the first time, Felix sees him after he came home after this guy gave him a black eye. I remember that that scene pretty vividly. Um, I think there's the, a the scene in this episode where Oscar's training. They're both kind of running in the park and f- Oscar flags a cab.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: And I think that episode's reused somewhere later. Oh, yeah. I thought it was the, the decathlon episode. Maybe. But it's not. I went to check that. I think it's reused later. Uh, but the boxing scene goes on way too long and then the, the end scene's kind of amusing with the, the beef on the eye. Yeah. I'll All tell right.
0: you, you know, yeah. um, this is one that I started and basically aborted because I didn't have good memories of it. And it's um, it just seems a bit of a ridiculous premise. And they do this other times too, like where because Oscar's a sports writer, he has to get involved in a fracas with a big brutish athlete think of the Alex Karras one later right um and uh it, I don't know. It just it's it gets too much. It's too much this one. Uh, but I, one thing I want to say about you mentioned the, the all the filmed in the streets stuff, the establishing shots. Didn't you notice that a lot of it is the stuff from the opening credits? Yes,
1: yes, I did notice
0: that. And and uh, and we'll get. And I realize how much they must have filmed in the streets, right? You know, whatever the summer before the pilot, I guess, according to Gary Marshall. And they really filmed very specific scenes, as we'll see later to certain episodes. So they knew what they were filming and they reused a lot of it over this season, much more than in the future, which kind of fulfills Gary Marshall's idea that is being a, he wanted to make a truly New York show, even though it was being done on a soundstage in LA. So I guess they did a lot of establishing shots to try to make up for
1: that. Of which they use, reuse some of them. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's that episode. Um, The next episode, number three, Felix gets sick, which aired on October 8th, 1970. We did not view. It wasn't available. The synopsis is Oscar's weekend with the beautiful stewardess is ruined when needy Felix comes down with the flu. I only have a dim memory of that one. There's a lot of like sickness and death in this season. (laughs) Okay, so the next one, which is the only one we have a clip from is the jury story. So this is available on Hulu only. This is a story of how Felix and Oscar met, and I put met in quotations on a jury trial. So one of the things that I discovered, and I don't think I remember coming out of this is that uh, you know, they say here that they met on this jury trial, but yet in the opening narration, they were childhood friends. That's the And the opening narration doesn't start until 12 episodes later which right. i didn't
0: realize that did you know so, that before i you know i didn't know when i was surprised that it went on as long but i i uh, i remember reading that they put in the opening narration was a kind of afterthought i wasn't i didn't realize how after but that it was something at the last minute to establish because people who didn't know the movie or the play were just wondering why are these two guys living together and the network was afraid that the people think they were gay, and so they needed to uh, give some kind of quick backstory. But somehow, that went on a different track than the ignored the jury story episode, uh, which uh, told a different story.
1: Yeah, so uh, you know, it's just it's it's the first major inconsistency gaffe, which, gaffe, gaffe, gaff, which gaff gaffe gaff gaff, which which. Um, which, you know, of course is riddled throughout the rest of the show. Um, So we'll play the clip at the end because there is an amusing scene where, you know, I guess the first, uh, uh, in this world, in this uh, timeline, that they really met in the jury pool where they first encounter each other's, um, uh, you know, neat and sloppiness. And it's the only clip worth playing. Um, So the fact that the crime that they're, you know, On a jury about is about a guy attacking his roommate is just way too on the nose yeah that's annoying uh one of the jurors is barney martin who would go on to play jerry seinfeld's dad yes of course and appeared Uh, in a future odd couple as well uh oh he did i didn't remember that subway oh right of course thank you uh jack kugman of course gained fame for playing a juror in 12 Angry Men. So, Which
0: the, the plot of this resembles very yeah, much. So there's like the one
1: holdout juror. That's not a coincidence. Um, the jury scenes go on way too yeah. long. I could not sit through those in full. Uh, the hotel scenes are better where Felix and Oscar are, are um, sequestered in a hotel. Uh, I do remember when I was watching this, I remember the way Oscar would kind of like look at, felix's ballot he would kind of peek. because under oscar's it. the
0: foreman of the jury and yes so he, has, he counts and, the votes
1: and uh, felix's ballot was always last and it was always the one that would keep him there longer because he was voting not guilty or everyone was voting guilty, yeah, i remember felix asked the way oscar would look at it kind of like peek under it and yeah. and then go not guilty and like I just uh, remember, he did it again yeah um so the bailiff in this episode is played by a guy named peter virgo who was later on 31 episodes of quincy as pete Man, Klugman has got a posse, you know. Just in this episode, Oscar says he works for the Times, quote unquote, to Felix. Yeah. So I'm assuming that in some world he worked at the New York Times. Well, remember this is a flashback episode. Okay, so he went from the New York Times to the Daily Herald, I guess, which is a fake newspaper. Right. Fine.
0: But we—I want. Now I have to go back to the first three episodes and see if they mention the Herald.
1: Um. In the hotel room, I don't know if you noticed this. They play "Getting to Know You" from The King and I. I,
0: I don't remember because I I did not I was not, not able watch this. to watch that's right. This you one, didn't yeah. watch
1: this one because on Hulu. Yes. Yeah. So in the hotel episode, you can hear strains getting of "Getting to Know You." Yeah, of "Getting to Know You." That's fine. Uh, Felix says his favorite sport is squash, which we never hear about again. Hmm. Um, and then the uh let's play a clip from the the most entertaining or most notable i think scene from season one because it's about them from the jury story oh
0: this is a good steak Hmm. do you always talk with your mouth full of food only when i'm eating (laughs) where's the butter on your sleeve (laughs) something phoenix maybe that steak wasn't so good after all my stomach's upset You sure it wasn't the fried onions the garlic toast the pie a la mode or my leftover sand dad? that's it the sand dad. <laughs> what are you doing in your pajamas going to bed now it's late Yeah. Oh yeah, it's almost 10 o'clock. I may turn into a pumpkin.
1: Doctor says I should get plenty of sleep considering my condition. What's your condition? I'm a hypochondriac. <laughs> you gonna put on your pajamas? These are my pajamas.
0: <laughs> you always go to bed with a cigar in your mouth? I'm lonesome. <laughs> I'm never gonna be able to go to sleep as early. That's your. Just close your eyes and relax. Good night. Good night. (laughs) What was that noise? Uh, (laughs) Lysitis.
1: It was, but I tried so hard to clear them that I stepped out my ears.
0: Mm -hmm. Finished, or do you have to do something to your eyes? Good night. What are you doing to now? I forgot my nerve medicine. 10 o'clock in bed. Sand and sinuses. Nerve medicine. I don't believe it. You know, I never knew a guy who hung his socks on a hanger before. I mean, what kind of a person does that?
1: A neat person. Yeah, maybe a weird person. I didn't ask to
0: be locked in this room with you. Okay. Okay, the last crack wasn't called for, but you're not the easiest person to share a room with, you know. You're going to apologize? Okay, I apologize. It's too late for that
1: now. See, Garrett, there's room together and they're mismatched because one's sloppy and one's neat. And and they're probably thinking, I could never live with this. Exactly. So, this just is a good example of how strained everything is the horrible laugh track, the the slow pace of everything. It's just really grating. Yeah, you can really see how Klugman and Randall wanted
0: that audience because I think that that was the having the live audience quickens the pace yeah you know you can't take those can't just be that relaxed about it and um but not that they're not trying i mean i one thing that impressed me not that i should be surprised but they are both very much committed they're not you know they're they're really working hard in this episode to establish these characters in some ways develop them uh and there are many great acting moments each of them has uh but the cinema the filming it with no live audience really uh, cramps their style.
1: Yeah, it's, it's tough to watch. So the next episode is number five, The Breakup, October 22nd, 1970. Oscar kicks Felix out because he is annoying. I mean, it's kind of like the whole thread of the show that you know is that Oscar's always wants to kick Felix out but right. never does. And, and he now, finally he does it. It. now he he actually does it. And this him. is
0: also a kind of uh riff from the movie and play where in the third act of the play is when he kicks uh Felix he does kick Felix out and Felix has to go find somewhere else to live and he ends up with the Pigeon Sisters, which is where he ends up in this episode.
1: So, in the beginning of the episode, Felix is on a hot streak with the ladies. He says it outright. Yeah, this he's got is four different nights of when the whatever <laughs> is indicated. <laughs> and they have to put
0: a, a something on the door to turn the mat over so that the room, so that the other one doesn't come in and, and ruin things, right?
1: Yep. Um, and so, the first place he goes to, I mean, he's kicked out because he's annoying. So, he goes to Murray and Mimi's house, which I did not remember that we see Murray and Mimi's house. Uh, mimi here is played by alice ghostly who many people know as esmeralda from bewitched and is in many many other tv and broadway shows um in the season three episode uh murray who came to dinner murray is the one who comes to live with them and at least the wife who picks him up is named mimi so they were consistent they, there with the character name character name the actress actually looks like alice Gosely. her name is jane Dulo, and there's a resemblance there so they went but to... alice was busy or yes i'm sure, sure alice Gosley is has plenty of other things to do um so i give them some credit for that continuity uh the episode the scene where felix shoots a gun in the house
0: <laughs> murray's really gun stupid. murray's cleaning
1: his pistol oh, and it so turns out to be dumb. loaded and he shoots a painting of a dog. Yes. So, and Felix appropriately says to Murray, "You should not be having a loaded gun in the house." But the fact that Murray wouldn't have to report that to the police, or no one would hear the gunshot, the cops wouldn't, the other police wouldn't show up—that's just stupid. That's just a lame writing. <laughs> it's just not funny. It's just yeah. I, it was I not know. funny. No. Now, this is the first time. In episodes we can see where we meet the Pigeon Sisters, Um, I never found them entertaining. They're just very, I find them extremely boring. They're very affable, likable actresses who are playing these affable, likable English women, but they don't provide any value except for having... I guess, some sort of females for Felix and Oscar to point to to show that they're not gay to the 1970s. Right. Well, again, popular. this
0: is a holdover from the from the play in the movie. Where And I think what they discovered in season one, they were very popular characters uh, in the original. And so it's they, they must have thought it was a no-brainer to keep them. But they probably discovered throughout season one, there's not much, they're a kind of one gag act. Like their whole, there's, they're the so culturally... Gag? they're so them? culturally different from these new yorkers and their whole british mannerisms which play out well in that one scene they have in the play but they there's not there's no not much more they can do with them
1: no and they're they're just there's i mean it was a smart move to remove them they also yeah. there's no value in them uh, there's so there's a scene where after felix is kicked out oscar tries to hire a maid who wants 350 dollars a month queen oscars apartment which is 2500 hours a month today which seems ridiculous Mm, maybe there's something
0: off there uh
1: but that woman is played by bella brook who is not credited in this episode but she's very recognizable she plays oscars uh secretary uh who i think is myrna's aunt and she yells at oscar to stop addressing me with your eyes which is a (laughs) great scene she's pushover page in the car episode, if you remember that. no. Oh, who tries to get the car? Yes, she's also the aggressive woman when they're trying to sell their furniture. So she Mm. actually has some great appearances later Mm. in the show. Mm. Uh, And she's actually the same interesting person here, just not as funny. Uh, And we also see Vinny's home. Vinny has the worst taste in art.
0: I like the scene in Vinny's
1: apartment very much. It's an much. amusing, yeah. So this yeah. is, but did you notice his art, the art on his wall? <laughs> no, I didn't. Terrible. Actually. So this yeah. is one of the episodes, and I'll say this a few times, where I wish it was a season two or later episode. Because yeah. I think if done in the three camera format, it actually would have been a pretty good episode.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. I love the scene with Vinny where the, uh, he, he's criticizing Vinny's taste in air, air freshener and spray uh, cleaning spray. and. Uh, and it's just him and Vinny, you know, at play, trying to play cards at the table. And Vinny, who's such a nice guy, it's when Vinny finally gets too, so mad at Felix to kick him out, you know it's bad. And and, and Larry Gelman's great in it. I, I came out of the season one, I have to say, with a new appreciation of the poker players. I think especially, I mean, Roy never really, not by actor's fault, it's just nothing for Roy to do. But between Larry Gelman as Vinny, Gary Wahlberg of Speed, and then of course Murray, their chemistry is something that does hold over from the movie very well and and they're in a lot of season one they're as we saw they disappear quickly in season two there's too much i agree with you
1: they're good i find that there are too many scenes they do
0: rely on them yeah too much it's again it's like they figure well we have to have all the same characters from the play which is the poker players and the vision sisters so they over rely on them but they it's, it's great to see those actors do a lot
1: more than we've been seeing them do in season two All right, episode six is Oscar's ulcer from October 29th, 1970. The log line or synopsis is Felix helps Oscar when he is diagnosed with an ulcer. Very straight down the road plot. Um, There's an early scene. uh, The the opening of the show is Oscar outside a lot eating hot dogs and he starts shadow boxing a guy. That's Leonard Barr, who everybody (laughs) knows. He recognizes his face. He's in four other episodes of The Odd Couple, including The Hollywood Story kind of funny old man and old uh, flames never die he's also got a very notable role in uh, diamonds of forever the james bond oh. uh he's also in another street scene in season one and i didn't mark down what it was but we see him twice
0: do you uh you know that opening montage of oscar outside also has a weird voiceover narration by yes, felix saying yes.
1: oscar what are you doing yes um, yeah. yeah they use that kind of another
0: technique they abandoned Yeah, the technique
1: that is, doesn't <laughs> work um so this is the, f- I actually have a comment here, which we just said, this is like the first poker scene in our episodes that we watched yeah. that we've seen. They, they use it too much. It's also the first of four episodes with Bill Quinn as Dr. Melnitz. Uh, I thought he was in more than four episodes. I think we hear his name more often than we see him. Uh, Bill Quinn is in many, many TV shows, every, very recognizable. Uh, he was on uh, Archie Bunker's place a lot as Mr. Van Rensselaer. People may know him from that. Older people like us may know him from that um this is the first time they meet also for some yeah. reason i thought that felix always knew dr Milnitz, but he introduces himself and it's also weird because in this episode he says he has a nervous condition
0: <laughs>
1: he can't be too he can't be shoved into a medical situation too quick hmm. and i always thought of dr Milnitz as a very capable doctor but here they make it seem like. <laughs>
0: hmm. yeah he seems like he's very he's uh, prickly and uh insecure uh he uh, i love him though and i was surprised you know he disappears also in season two but then they brought him back i did i didn't realize that until i looked it up i forgot
1: they actually bring him back later in later seasons and he's better in the three camera format like everyone yeah. is yeah. uh there, there is an amusing scene here where dr Mills is asking oscar all sorts of questions about his health and felix keeps answering them um then there's this weird Mexican restaurant scene that I do not remember at all. Maybe that was mm. cut out of the syndicate. I remember. No, I remember you that. And the yeah. weird, it's weird yeah. the way the Oscar kind of like manhandles the waitress. <laughs>
0: he's got this way, this bimbo Mex, uh, this Latina bimbo waitress who doesn't speak any English, who he's just manhandling and putting on his knee. Uh, yeah, it's not a very uh, flattering portrayal of either character. <laughs> no. And uh, I, what I remember most is the 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 big fat guy with the mustache in the back, like yes, he's gonna, yes, going to throw up because of, when Felix is saying all the horrible things that are in Mexican food, and he insults Mexican food by saying like the, uh, the, you know, Mexico's never known for the quality of its food. Well,
1: well, well. I also think he's on the train, in that in the train oh. episode. I think that yeah. guy's on the train as well. Right.
0: Um. You know, the other thing you, you skipped over. Speaking of Oscars, uh. uh, uh uh, Ulcer? No, his, his libido oh. um, the, the date the, the double date they have um, where which is funny for a yeah, little bit when but, uh, yeah. Felix makes Oscar drink milk after he makes the girls uh, you know Hard liquor drinks, and he has to be embarrassing—embarrassment of having to drink milk in front of them. But then he is moving on her so fast, and has that line like, "I need to know." He tells Felix, "I need to know whether it's yes or no with Marilyn." And Felix then asks Marilyn,
1: yeah. "Is it yes or no?" Yes. There's a lot of like '60s, '70s sexual yeah, freedom. They're swingers. They're swingers. That that that, and that's the other thing about season one is it feels so dated. Yeah. Where season. 2 through 5. Yes, you know it's the 70s. It just has a, a more It feels like the rhythm. 60s, right?
0: And it is 1970, so it is basically yes, still the 60s. Yeah. But you yes. really feel right between season 1 and season 2, it's like the divide between the 60s and
1: the 70s, right? All right. So episode 7, which we did not see, uh, is I do I don't. The only is when Felix recalls his marriage and divorce, he causes a bridegroom to get cold feet and call off his wedding. I vaguely remember this episode. The only reason I wish we could have seen it is Richard Stahl's First episode of the Odd Couple, but
0: who does he play in it? Oh, is he the uh, the minister again? I think he's he's always minister. like the yeah. priest who does the wedding. Well, what about Joyce Van Patten? Yes, she's and too. and uh the I would like to see it again because the actor of the, the 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 boyfriend the George bachelor Firth. That George, George Firth, Firth is yeah. an actor I know mostly as a playwright because he in the same year they were filming this, he wrote the the script for the Stephen Sondheim musical company that was a big hit. And uh, his other life was as a playwright. and So this is a rare TV appearance of his for any musical theater fans out there.
1: He was also in, I think he's, uh, he's in a lot of movies. Yeah. And TV shows in addition to what you're talking oh, about. Maybe about. not that rare, but that's yeah, think, the one I remember him from. I, I think mostly movies. So I think he was, no. he's a little more known for movies. Um well, anyway, we don't have it. Um, episode 8 is also another one we don't have. I think that may be the last one we didn't see. It's the first one with Albert Brooks, who a lot of people may not remember is in The Odd Couple. We played yeah. Rudy. Um, I love Albert Brooks, so I'm sorry we didn't get to see that also. Uh, an ad exec directs Felix to use Oscar in a big cologne campaign, which is a premise that comes up later. A similar premise has come up later. It's happening. F- it's today. Is that what he says in the episode? That's Well, that's his line, Rudy. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, All right, so number nine, I think I'm going to surprise you, The Big Brother. This is the one, this is the episode of all these that I like the most. Hmm. Not that I would watch it ever again, but um, uh, it's the one where Felix and Oscar become big brothers to Clint Howard. And Clint Howard- Who is? is. Who is Ron Howard's brother. And and everyone knows, I think, I hope everyone knows Clint Howard. is. he's a child actor who was in a lot of TV shows as a child, including Star Trek um and uh is you know, how old was he
0: in this episode know,
1: seven eight nine something like that uh, uh,
0: so he's basically i mean it's if clint howard followed in his older brother's footsteps as a child actor ron howard of course started that way too
1: yes uh, and their father was an
0: actor Yes, the whole rance, howard family
1: rance howard right and
0: uh, of course the get this the it strengthens the gary marshall ron howard clint howard connection right that's right
1: that's right, yes, which I'm assuming is a coincidence here, but maybe not. Maybe, I don't know if this was, like, if he knew that Ron was the brother at this time or not. Um, but he's very good here as the, as the kid that, um, that they yeah. mentor, the way that, you know, he was bored by Felix and really intrigued by Oscar, which also happens. There's elements of that that happened in later episodes as well.
0: Like the one we just
1: did, uh, the good bad boy. Yes, yeah, so there's actually a couple of good bad boy connections. Yeah, I actually wrote that down here, similar, similarity to good bad boy. Um, and the woman who plays his mother is also very good in the episode. She could have been mm. very much more of a stereotype, but there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an earnestness to her and a smart dialogue with Janice Carroll's, her name. I, I don't think she pretty much has any. Uh, she's in two other odd couple episodes, but doesn't have a large acting career
0: this one Uh, surprised me i must say yeah i was not uh i i i just kind of have this aversion to most of their kid episodes and there are a lot of kids kid or kid uh, appearances this season we'll get to the the worst one yes but um so i had a little aversion to it but and I, i it was slow for me getting started with Felix showing him a stamp collection and all that it was just painful. Uh, maybe in a good way, dramatically, but this yes, once Oscar and he and the kid connect, it's, it, and, and Clint Howard's very funny when
1: they go to the pool hall and all that. Um, and yeah, I, it did win me over a bit. It's, it's one of the better ones. And the scene where Oscar is trying to conduct while Felix is conducting the opera and he's really listening to football, <laughs> even though it's yeah. an obvious joke, it was just amusing. Yeah. Uh, number 10 is uh there's a couple there's several gimmick episodes in this season which is why i hate it so much um and this is one of them it's all over now baby bird where felix who has a pet bird which is just ridiculous <laughs> to with, never i mean for one apparently just for one week right he had a pet uh, and the bird dies quote unquote because i remember by the end of the episode the bird's alive somehow when i was watching this again i just remembered that from watching it in 1980 <laughs> um uh, it's just everything about this episode is stupid and annoying. Uh, the scene where there's a, they talk to a cop and drag, I did not remember that. Weird. So, I think
0: that was cut in syndication.
1: Uh, that is Ken Swafford plays the cop. Hmm. He played a lot of police officers on TV. He also, unfortunately, made some news in the 80s when he was uh, convicted of drunk driving. He caused an accident that uh, injured some people severely. Um, and there was some news about oh. him going cool. to jail and then coming back and trying to make his mark again in tv uh yeah in the end albert the bird is back in felix's care but yet alex uh albert never never we never see again albert nope And <laughs> even though he he does he survives uh and i know for my uh my fellow our fellow listeners who listen to the great honeymooners podcast um there is an episode of the honeymooners where ralph and Aaron, a bird named fortune Oh, Fortune has never I forgot seen that either. So there's another similarity between. Well, them.
0: I guess they don't always live very long. Uh, but yeah, we should also. Uh, I, I guess you've already implied this, but yeah, he, he, apparently Albert the parrot is in a coma only.
1: Well, but for several days. That's be- and it's because Felix miss did not give him the medication proper him. right, which I yeah. just someone as fastidious as Felix, especially if he really does love a pet. Yeah. I find it hard to believe Felix would misdiagnose, would it give in, not hear the do- the dosage correctly. Yeah. The doctor didn't say, "Oh, I told you the wrong dosage." The doctor says, uh, "I told you the dosage was uh, one drop every four hours yeah. or whatever it was." Yeah.
0: Uh, two things that I I enjoyed in this, oh. even though it's not. <laughs> I'm just I'm not saying it's a good episode, okay. but I two things I enjoyed just for personal reasons. One is the Lots, lots of uh, outdoor New York footage. Again, they shot in advance, or yes. like knowing the, out- the script, yeah. where they take the bag, the p- oh, <laughs> Albert okay. stuffed in a brown paper bag yeah. to the East River,
1: yes.
0: uh, which is near, somewhat near where I grew up. So I was nice, and nostalgic to see that again. Um, uh, so I like the outdoor shots in this, which is a lot. And then I do like the funeral scene because that actor and I, I'm blanking on his name but a well-known character actor from that era plays the uh, the mortician
1: of the uh, pet cemetery he's really hilarious yeah and I, looked up, I, I was looking him up but I, I ended up not playing. and
0: I and I do love even though it is it is it is ridiculous and uh, stretches all credibility and realism but when Oscar's so upset he paid for the funeral when Albert is is escapes alive that he swats a fly and tells uh. the tells the guy it's my pet fly Saul.
1: I hated the when Oscar has the bag with the dead bird in it and they go to bury him yeah. everywhere. I, find, oh, well, I just find weird. it so maudlin and yeah. and it's, it's like it's also I appreciate the out seeing New York but New York is so disgusting in this part in this game yeah. that yeah. I just it makes everything feel so grungy.
0: <laughs> it's and, real man it's real. Well maybe the network said forget it you know stop showing real New York shots. No one wants to see that um hey you what about um you know do you see a connection a, a callback to this and a little an homage in the seinfeld dead parrot episode is it a parrot there's a bird they have a neighbor with a bird who not the, neighbor, end up the having dog? to dig up out of the grave is that the dog no there's there's a different one uh Seinfeld fans will know what I'm talking about uh where they have to the cufflinks, something about Jerry's cufflinks. they have to could have been buried in the grave with the the parrot anyway I don't remember I I'm a big Seinfeld fan I do well remember. I
1: I I put that out there as a uh, possible uh, odd couple homage all right moving on to episode 11 Felix is missing this is the second episode with Albert Brooks so at least we got to see him yes. in, in some of them in this episode Felix goes to Canada leaves a note for Oscar, which Oscar doesn't see. Felix cannot not be reached in Canada, so Oscar thinks he is missing. And this is another model episode. Um, anyway, before we get to that, so it's the second Albert Brooks episode um, and uh, we see Oscar kind of stranded in Canada with Albert Brooks, who's always amusing. And here we have another really attractive model who's yeah. into Felix. Yeah, uh, who must be half his age? She's played by Anitra Ford. She was a Prices Right model in this in this time. a few years later, she became a Prices Right model. Whoa! And I just, I'm like, why is she that into Felix? Yeah, she's coming on very strong And we, it, the premise is that that
0: Felix and Albert Brooks are snowbound. Yes, as they keep saying, in a cabin with these two sexy models. Right. And and the joke as they're all as the guys are all worried that Felix is dead or worse you keep cutting cross-cutting contrast with felix like in heaven you know lying in this girl's lap not
1: really yeah i guess he's kind of enjoying it but i it's like okay so go date her when you get back like yeah i don't yeah
0: i do like the other the the other one who never says anything other
1: than i can't believe it snowbound um and and the and then so the other part of the show is Felix. Uh, i mean oscar and everyone thinks felix is dead and they go look at a dead body. poker
0: guys yeah
1: yeah and they go i try to identify a dead body which isn't felix and then they're interviewed by a police detective to find out what happened and then they go to this whole scene where and this is kind of i kind of like this scene where oscar people start retelling events where Oscar threatens to kill Felix which yeah, we with about flashbacks, right. with flashbacks with like a yes, re- weird yes. uh technique and we've yeah. said that like he's always very harsh to Felix and now it's kind of like backfiring on him because now there's like maybe he really did something to Felix um that Felix i could kill you he said but that just the whole mortuary I mean um, uh morbid uh, uh, yeah but the scene in the uh oh the morgue the morgue oh, is so morbid yeah well can i just say
0: okay my favorite part of that though is of course when they uh, um, just when they think it's pl- someone thinks it's plausible it's Felix because the body was dug out of the river because he had Felix's wallet, which got lost, blah blah blah. But the my, one of my favorite supporting yes, actors, Johnny, Johnny Silver. Silver from yeah. Dolls, shows up as the other wino who
1: was the chaplain, a good bad boy. Yeah, he, he just shows up, and he's yes. also in another episode, yes. he's in yeah.
0: another one later. Johnny Silver comes in as a wino who's the friend of this other dead wino, and say, we're going to go into business together. Cassettes!
1: Very 70s. Yeah. Uh, the sergeant in the show was played by Lloyd Go Gao G-O-U-G-H, who I recognize because he was on the Green Hornet TV show. Mm. He played uh, one of the only recurring characters besides the Green Hornet and Cato. Uh, so you know, at least stuff happens in this episode, but it's all so stupid. I mean, the way Oscar puts his—it's so calculated how he puts his glass on the piece right, How he loses of the paper, note, yeah. the note, and picks it up. It doesn't look at it. and says, "What's this?" and throws it away. It's like and they go. To yeah,
0: a lot of- I uh, right. It is very the setup. Is contrived and everything about Felix's sudden trip to Canada, where Albert Brooks calls him within an hour of the plane taking off, is completely stretched his credibility. However, however, I this is one of my most more favorite, I me too liked ones because of the poker players. This is where it's they're they are really great as a unit. Uh, they have a lot of funny stuff to do and say, and there's um, uh.
1: Do you mean funny, really funny, with
0: or you mean amusing? I had a few laughs during this, yeah. Okay. And I, I like the police scene. I like the tension. It's like a cop, you know, because it becomes like larger. I will say it is
1: my number two of the season two episodes. because or, You still don't, don't like it, so that says, I don't like it. says Wait, a lot. Yeah, no, it's my third favorite episode, sorry. Okay. I have one, two, and three. It's my third favorite. I, I don't like any of these, but it's my third one. It's the one that I was able to finish. One of the few, not few, I think maybe half of these I actually watched without like skimming through it to the end this is one yeah. uh i like albert brooks you're right there's like the poker players there's the flashbacks there's a lot of interesting stuff that's yeah. some of the episodes it, are just, it moves a
0: little faster than yes
1: yes yeah. all right number 12 we got a re- actually request to do an episode on this episode only for christmas which Whoa. i uh, we didn't do but we are going to address it, which is Scrooge gets an Oscar. It is the episode I think I remember the most for season one, watching it as a child. The premise is that Felix wants Oscar to play Scrooge in a play, and then Oscar later dreams that he is Scrooge in a Christmas Carol. Um, I remember—I guess I remember liking this as a kid, uh, but it really drags now. And I, I i thought the dream sequence with the Christmas Carol was the whole episode. I did not remember all those other scenes trying yeah, to put me too. the play on. Yeah. The, and I think the funniest moment in the entire first season is in this episode when they do that tiptoe walk to the window <laughs> you remember that yeah that, well be- it's what
0: the, when Felix is playing Marley's ghost yes. in the dream sequence yes uh, and they're kind of walking on air you know uh he and they're being spooky so he the go Felix as the ghost leads Oscar out the door in these weird kind of tiptoe walk and then in real life, when Oscar wakes up, he's still doing that walk with Felix going, what the
1: hell are you doing? Yeah, so the tiptoe walk, which I call it, is funny. Um, This is another episode where Oscar kicks Felix out. Like, we're not that far from the last one. Um, Then there's that whole scene where they have each of the poker players try to play Scrooge, and they do it in some weird way, which is like way over the top for me uh i kind of like that you liked it i, <laughs> I was actually gonna request a clip of that but uh, uh, not if you don't like it's it. too long and, and then felix who's usually like a good actor in everything he does right. in the show right. he does that really schmaltzy scrooge which is well
0: like... the, the point is well, because oscar refuses to play scrooge then he has to felix has to audition everyone uh, in the part and i think i think they all have a funny take on it where um, Vinny becomes like try plays it. Oh, we see like a side a, of Vinny that we never like see. He just like goes like he becomes a For psychopath. Her. Yeah, because <laughs> like hidden underneath his meek exterior, yeah. and then Speed, who's reading a pornographic novel during the whole scene, uh, just runs through it without even caring. And Felix is the first time I've heard read really as an auctioneer. Yeah. And then feel yeah. there is yeah. a justification why Felix hams it up so badly because they have to end up
1: hiring Oscar. They have no choice. Uh, is, anyway,
0: that I do enjoy that. Scene.
1: Roy is very monotonous. Oh right, right. Uh, uh, the, so we referenced Ogden Talbot in the natural childbirth episode, and he is the messenger here who gives Oscar a message, a singing a telegram from singing way. telegram. Uh, and it's a shame to me that this is the only christmas episode in the entire five years i don't really i mean why is, is that a shame to you i, I my problem christmas with episodes. this is that it is a christmas episode. i love i don't christmas i episodes. don't need an odd couple christmas Oh, uh, I, I love i my favorite of the classic tv shows i watch honeymooners oh well that's a good you know, The uh all the family has some great christmas i love christmas episodes of shows and I love watching them at Christmas time. And the fact that I cannot do that for The Odd Couple. Is,
0: and this was like, indeed, this aired during the holidays. Yeah, it didn't. It actually aired
1: say. on December 17th. There's actually another episode that aired on Christmas Eve. So oh. they decided to not air this on Christmas Eve. They aired it the week before. But yeah, my whole feeling is like, I don't need, that's not, I understand
0: some other shows can do it well, but there's no reason for The Odd Couple to have a Christmas special. Okay. And they, I'm glad Gary Marshall realized that after season one i get you it sounds like you're not as big a fan of chris and episodes no in general. and the other ones the other things that i don't like about it is, is oscar is as you mentioned he kicks him out again he's so mean this is the meanest he is to feel but it's all supposed to be to make him like scrooge so fine uh but yes when he wakes up but the dream sequence as thankfully is short it's only like seven minutes but it ruins, it's just like should not be there, should not be any more dream sequences. And look, I, I think there's another one in oh, this yes. season, but after that's weird. after season one, we don't yes. do that anymore. And thank yes. God, because it's when Oscar wakes up in the Scrooge outfit, still wa- in that weird costume for Jack Klugman, still watching the television, and then they have Felix like popping in and out all of a sudden. It, it's
1: not what this show does well and in the dream sequence what was particularly annoying was and i did not remember this was when he reads that letter as a kid a oscar kid
0: sees himself as a kid and jack klugman has to wear a little lord Fauntleroy outfit and, and, he, and talk in this ridiculous kid with accent with a kid
1: wisp right? i hated that yeah. uh, i do remember murray saying god bless us all everyone murray is funny in it, over and right? over, over, over again and I, I remember that very vividly and hey the- but did
0: you catch this uh ted uh I believe this is episode has the first
1: Murray's big nose joke. I I, uh, I didn't put that in my notes, so I didn't catch it well. But I do recall there was a I think only one in this whole season, right? At least. Well, I
0: before. didn't notice any others, but I did. I was surprised here because I was convinced that that wouldn't have happened starts. until season two, yeah. and we see it a lot. But already, Oscar, say, about Tiny Tim,
1: I wish I could pay for him to have a nose job. Yes, I did, I did see that. And then there's this t- really sentimental tag at the end. That's
0: yeah, really very... lame. That's what I'm talking about, like lame yeah. Christmas episodes. Well, I don't
1: I... need that from Felix and Oscar. Well, you win, because there isn't one, but I miss it. Okay, so on Christmas Eve 1970, they aired The Blackout. Uh, in this episode, Oscar is low on money. He's accused of stealing $50 from the poker pot during a blackout that's the premise. It turns out he accidentally put it in a sandwich and ate part of it. Uh, So the whole episode is them trying to figure out who stole $50. I do remember scenes from this, like uh, the $50 suddenly reappearing. I didn't remember. In the dark, dark. Oscar
0: made himself a very expensive sandwich.
1: Right. That's the punchline. Um, So uh, there's a electrical problem in the apartment. The superhero is played by Herbie Fay, who was in six af- odd oh, couple episodes. and we just saw him as a mechanic again. yes in and- psychic Schmeich. Uh He's also in lead the Greyhound to Us. He's the, uh, the ticket uh, seller and the you know and the racetrack better guy behind the desk. He also plays a super in a, in a few episodes of the show, but not with the same name as he has in this episode. Mm-hmm. Again, Tony, Tony Randall has a shirt off in this episode for no reason. Uh, then there's a scene where, in order to help solve the mystery of how the $50 went missing, Felix Oscar grabs a bunch of books off a shelf <laughs> that he says are detective novels, and you can clearly see these are not detective novels. <laughs> detective novels, especially in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, with these books would have to be from, have very distinct jackets. Now, yeah. when he gets into bed and starts reading them, First of all, a bunch of them don't have dust jackets at all. Uh, And I'm a book collector, so this is why I'm focusing on this. There is a book he reads called um, Science Versus Crime. And that actually, there's a real dust jacket there that says Science Versus Crime. So they got that one right, which is very unusual for the show, because we've seen them read books in this show a lot. And they never are the book that they're saying they're reading. But they got that. But that that scene goes on so long. That it just so. I dry. think
0: that was cut in syndication because I didn't remember that at
1: all. Yeah, you know? and it's and unnecessary. Um, speaking of unnecessary, go ahead, yeah. This attractive maid. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why she's in there. There's no reason. She doesn't propel the pod. It's just to give Felix another pretty girl to go out with at the end.
0: Yeah, I couldn't. You know, I was watching this and I remembered her presence in the episode, and I kept waiting like, "Where's the payoff for the Swedish maid?" Uh, and there isn't. She's completely extraneous to the plot. And, and she has she, two scenes. Three scenes.
1: Played by Cynthia Lynn, and she's best known as Helga on Hogan Zero. She was oh. Plink's second. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I guess she was kind of recognized. Uh, so uh, you know, nothing really happens in this episode. It's just like I
0: will say yeah. I like this one too. Okay. Uh, for some of the same reasons as the Felix is missing. It's just like it's a it's a good poker player episode. It's mostly about the gag the poker getting and it's about Oscar being broke, and that's the whole so the fact that Oscar is always broke and uh, because of poker and then can't pay his poker debts, that everyone suspects him when uh, the money goes missing. So even though the, all the plotting is really kind of lame, I, I just they have such
1: great chemistry together, all these guys. So next we're at number 14, which is my second favorite episode of season one. They use horseradish, don't they? Um, and all of these names are puns on movies and stuff from the era. Um, So Felix competes in a cooking contest, but has to deal with arm spasms and cheating contestant who uses Oscar to steal a recipe of Felix's. Uh, So I remember vividly from season one that Felix would always have some sort of body spasm or like his arm would get stuck and Oscar would have to Felix. They kind of got rid of that later after season two began, which is good because it's such a gimmicky nonsense. And again, more from the movie. right uh here there's another attractive woman who's into felix who's played oh, sharon who's played by francie york who finds them sexy because of some reason i can't cooking well cooking yeah cooking it's known sometimes to be sexy yeah but all these like these are like nines and eights nines and tens from that era and it just <laughs> feels like they're just like it's just so i, I guess part of the that. joke
0: is that oscar is the one who sees himself as a ladies man and a and a Philander and uh, uh, is always surprised that
1: Felix seems to have an easier time getting the girls. Uh, I do like the kind of whole food competition premise. It feels like a real story. It feels like something Felix would really be doing. And it doesn't feel forced like the bird or th- that yeah. or th- uh, Philip's money later. Oh. Uh, so there's a real story here. And I do remember the cup of beer teaspoon of dry mustard yeah, yeah you know, i do too where um, <laughs> oscar sees that that woman uh, barbara arcola is is basically using him bernay's barbara they call her uh now that apartment doesn't that look a lot like the 50s apartment yes. Felix lived in yes when, yes so yes, i does. think it's the same set uh, or <laughs> I don't, probably or yeah. they just re-had all that furniture to bring back in She's played by Barbara, the woman who who cheats in the cooking competition. Is played by Marilyn Mason, who later on plays another woman who cheats. Felix that was Oscar. so
0: confusing to me, like to see. Uh, uh, now I forget the character's name from the later one, um, but to see well, she's got a lot
1: of names. Don't you remember? She has. Oh a- right, she's backwards. an imposter. Yeah. She's
0: like a yeah, a identity thief. Um, <laughs> and it's like wait a minute that they get fooled by this girl later too so this it's is so, so good. weird
1: that they and she has it. the same
0: haircut she's so recognizable. because she has that like close crop vidal sassoon haircut
1: uh the thing i didn't like is if, and i remember this from watching it's it like when oscar has to lift felix up to to do oh the stirring. come on I thought, I find that <laughs> that's it's funny it's hacky i don't think it's funny well
0: one of the things i i agree with you this is definitely one of the better ones the season uh, because the plotting is is better because it's a, a situation that befits the characters, the cooking contest. You get a lot of detail about Felix and his cooking, and uh, has the romantic tension, which is good. Um, and uh, but yeah, I, but one of the things I like is the physical comedy that Tony Randall gets to do a lot of the kind of physical shtick he likes to do. In this case, how to cook a meal with no arms, <laughs>
1: and uh, I I enjoyed that. Also, at the end, I disagreed with Felix when he relinquished his prize because he intended to make beef roast and end up making beef stew. He was injured and he innovated around a problem. And that right. is the reason why he should have kept he should have won that prize. And I think it was silly that he gave that prize up. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, but, you know, Ted, he was trying to make they were trying to make a point.
0: What's uh, the point? Uh, th- his integrity was, well, the whole thing was about integrity. I know, but he. And he is, uh, Felix is trying to do the noble thing. But, uh, but yes, it's, it's a little, it's
1: not, it, in real life that would not. I do not believe that his integrity, he, I do he, not believe that making something you don't plan to make when you are innovating around a problem is a reason that your integrity is in jeopardy. I, I disagree with the premise of that.
0: Um, yes, but what saves it for me is that he gives that very noble uh, speech at the end, declining the award, but then can't shut up and goes on, keeps going, yes, yes, goes into one and of Oscar his more crazy to... rants.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oscar saying, "I think they got the point." All right, number fifteen is another gimmick, which is, and I always remember it as the Eskimo episode, oh, God. where Oscar hides uh, an Eskimo athlete from agents because they're all after him to play football. Uh, but the guy wants to be a cellist. Uh this is Renny Santoni, who is much better as Poppy on Seinfeld. What? Yeah, that's Poppy. Oh my god. I was wondering where I recognized him from. Yes. Um and that's a mate. You go ahead, yeah. <laughs> he just plays it so uh I don't know, it's such a flat monotone uh delivery here, which I don't know if that's in keeping with. Uh, trying to be an Eskimo, I'm not quite sure what he's doing here. Well, it also explains, like it's
0: we, re- they, you know, he's kind of olive skinned, although I think he's more Mediterranean in background. Uh, but he's he's supposed to be from Alaska, an Eskimo from Alaska, and he has. Now that you mentioned the poppy connection, of course, he has such a New York accent
1: uh, that that really distracted me too. Also, he's 32 in this episode. Oh which is uh, because he does not look like he's yeah he does not look like a college right so uh that's distracting as well uh and then the whole like issue of being a token eskimo and i think i learned the notion of what a token ethnic person is from this episode i will say that i remember that but it's just it's another we've discussed this before that issue episodes do not work well
0: yeah it's a weird uh hybrid because it's like um on the one hand, it's cashing in on a lot of ethnic humor and Felix and all his stupid Eskimo jokes, which I acknowledge he does acknowledge as bad taste, but why keep making them? Uh, they want to have so much, they're trying to make so much humor out of him being, he's not an Eskimo, you know, he's a, he's a Native American from Alaska. Um, but uh, but then what about Felix arguing with the music school guy where Felix is all comes out against affirmative actions, which is interesting choice. Uh, but it, in this year, in this time period, it's like being framed as against tokenism is kind of a liberal thing of the individual being recognized, whatever.
1: But uh, I think that, that that whole argument plays a little differently today. And then there's that whole Slim Daniels and Grubby thing, which I remember... Weird. Which is weird. weird. The whole episode is tricky. Is
0: Slim Daniels supposed to be based on some other... I think
1: it's like Roy... I, I took it like Roy Rogers type of person. Who owns a football team? I... Yeah, I, th- I think... Yeah, I didn't do research. And his
0: entourage, I did find his entourage kind of fun. I mean, the Slim Daniels actor, I found, I did find him entertaining, but it was just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, the whole premise is so uh, contrived.
0: I. I liked okay the one thing I did like is uh I did love that when he finally gets the cello he turns out he he's terrible. terrible. That was a good right. that
1: was a good twist. I agree with and
0: you. And I like the music school guy who I looked up uh, Cliff Osmond. Yes, a character actor that I re- didn't wasn't sure where I recognized him from, but he is he's really funny in this episode actually and and so that gave me a few laughs. Uh, all right
1: number 16 Lovers Don't Make House Calls. January 29th, 1971. Um, I don't know if we said before Hideaway was January 14th, 1971 and Horseradish was January 7th, 1971. Uh, In this episode, really there's not much goes on. Felix gets sick. They meet Dr. Nancy Cunningham who obviously is carried over to season two. Oscar wants to date her and then they make up a lot of reasons to go find her. This is the first episode with opening narration. Yes. Uh, This introduces Nancy. There's this the scene where she recognizes all those boxers like that's a cute like that would be a cute meat scene in today's world. Yeah. Um yeah. And uh it is kind of interesting that she doesn't fall for Oscar right away, I guess. Uh the restaurant scene with Dr. Melnitz where Felix shows up to get Oscar mm-hmm. Nancy to come yes. there is 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 interesting and he's funny. He goes, well, funny, you know, yeah. what cavorting were you? But of course they're the <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Cavorting. Yeah. It's when Felix says, you know, I didn't expect to see my one doctor cavorting with another doctor. And he goes, what cavorting? Um, I think this is an episode that would have been good in three camera format to see them meet.
0: Yeah, yeah, it had all the potential. Uh, I like the scene where Oscar tries to woo Nancy at her office, but keeps getting. Oh, uh, I found
1: that nurse so annoying. (laughs) Very
0: kind of farcical energy where he has to have a a, a legitimate appointment. They make him put a gown on, and then Dr. Mellon comes in and gives Dr. Mellon the flowers. Um, You know, I I found that kind of amusing. I thought, you know, it's an important episode because it introduces Nancy and it, uh, you know, kind of succeeds at the. The basics of what that episode should right. do. Right.
1: So, so Felix becomes a ladies' man, but uh, Oscar gets like the serious girlfriend.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Eventually. Interesting. Um, but uh, I would say it's definitely in the better half of the
1: episodes of the season. Uh, yeah, it's in the better half. All right. Now we have another ridiculous episode. Uh, episode seventeen: In Grave Trouble, February fifth, nineteen seventy-one. Felix wants to get back together with Gloria, so he's. I think he steals from his home where she lives, an engraved watch that he gave her. He wants to have it engraved again. And then it's stolen from a jewelry store. now we see like, a, we're speaking more morbidity uh, or morbidness, uh, we see a jewelry store owner who's been robbed on the floor. Uh, this, just, this is just a silly, boring. I could not fit, watch this episode in its entirety. I was skimming through a lot of it. Why would Felix give Oscar all this stuff? to entrust like felix is all this is a one of the things that happens in this show a little too much is felix gives oscar something to do like can you send in my payment for my insurance can you do this and oscar's notoriously unreliable and why felix counts on oscar to do something i don't understand um i also remember michael constantine this is where i first i guess rec- saw him sitting in that living room talking for uh, felt like hours uh like discussing like the whole stolen necklace i mean it, i just find the episode just like it's just like it's exhausting to watch
0: i can't really support this episode that much but i do um i like michael constantine i think he's very funny in it and richard Stahl, we should mention in unfortunately not a very funny role uh but he is in it uh, as the uh a, a crooked uh, fla- florist, oh, which is funny. I must have skipped that. Episode. Oh, okay, that's yeah. Completely- uh, it's well, it's a not not a very. It's the that's the plot of how they get to the gangsters. Is oh. anyway, but it's a. It's. I'm disappointed they didn't give Richard Stall more to do there. Um, I like the. Um, uh, the tag, which is the, the whole thing, turns out to be they. It was all about getting the watch engraved with a romantic message for Gloria. And then Oscar comes back and finds out Gloria stormed out and says, "Why?" He says, "Look at the watch. It was the the gangster engraved that they never changed it." And Oscar starts reading, "You're built like a." And Felix says, "Isn't that romantic?" Yeah. Uh, I thought that was funny. And, uh, but aside from that, uh, something. Yeah, it's not successful and one thing weird about it that I thought about a lot was how Gloria is a major character in this episode, but we're, they still have not, they don't include Gloria and Blanche in season one. Yeah. They don't, they never appear on screen. And so her absence is really weird that she's this person who cannot be seen. I was very curious why they decided not to, you know, they gave all these other, uh, they, they create all these other women characters for them to be involved with but they clearly wanted to leave the ex-wives in the past and they made that was a big change they made for season two
1: I should say Michael Constantine plays like a gangster who somehow knows where to get the stolen racket right. He's, uh, he was on Room 2222 20, which is not a show that syndicated very well uh, he was the principal on that sitcom it didn't last a long time when it originally ran uh, the next, another gimmicky episode, which we've talked about before, is Bunny is Missing Down by the Lake, this is episode 18, aired on February 12, 1971. Oscar and Felix go to a cabin to get away, but they wind up helping and taking care of a woman who's in charge of three women, three girls who are like, you know, teenagers. And one of the girls goes missing. I always remember this episode as the bad cabin episode because there's a one that I like later.
0: (laughs) Right. Right.
1: For Oscar to write his book.
0: Why do you think they had to make more than one cabin? I don't
1: know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, uh, This this is like another episode driven by the fact that that Oscar, Felix misses Gloria. Like they they hammer that home way too much in the first season. Everything's about Felix is pining for glory and has to do this for glory and says this thing to glory and it upsets gloria who we never see right and the reason felix goes to the cabin with oscar oscar was going to go by himself was that felix is now depressed and oscar thought it'd be good for felix to get away uh we discussed that pamela in is in this episode who later plays edna um bunny the character is not played by pamela in she's one of the girls and she's kind of the oddball of a girl. She's, I like, I mean, I, I am Bunny in many ways. Mm-hmm. I like to read. I don't like to do social. Not an outdoorsman. Sports, not an outdoorsman. But the, the actress who plays this girl is so sad looking and so <laughs> sad appearing. and Everything's so sad about her. Mm-hmm. And it is so, uh, it's such, it's so frustrating to have such a sad character on this show that I don't want to watch a show and feel bad for somebody. That's not why I watch The Odd Couple. And it's that's yeah. why I don't like this episode. Because I, I the actress does a really good job making you feel bad for her mm. and really liking her and being, you don't want the other two girls to make fun of her. I, I don't, I could, I'll watch something else for that. Not yeah. this show.
0: Yeah, this is one that I couldn't bring myself to watch. Uh, I did watch the beginning and I aborted it uh, because um, I had just all those same memories you did. It just feels so out of place like what the cabin it works better when they did it later as the when oscar's writing the book but it didn't work here it's they're just out of their element and what are these girl scouts doing here and
1: yeah this is the episode and i do remember this where i first heard the name walter brennan because there's this whole thing where there's a walter brennan impression <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, remember that. I think me too right <laughs> and, and i remember bunny saying to him are you still doing walter brennan when oscar's like hurt after they find <laughs> her But uh, I just, yeah, I can't, this is not a, this is not fun to watch. Uh, Number episode 19, you've come a long way, baby, February 19, 1971, another more kids, more kids. A baby is left at Felix's photo studio. Uh, Also what makes this episode terrible. is the first (laughs) appearance of (laughs) Philip. Ah, The most annoying thing about this season. Who, why did they suddenly
0: in one one month before the end of this, Season go. What we need is a is really a... annoying little boy who lives right. next door. Uh who's so... gonna be like in every episode from now on. Oh.
1: <laughs> so he's they're played by Christopher Shea, who is most known for voicing Linus in the original Charlie right. Brown specials. Dude know that. Uh you know, so Oscar wants Felix to appear in this skit that he's doing for something, and there's like so much talk about rehearsing for the skit. Felix brings home a Asian baby who was abandoned, quote unquote, abandoned his office. And then they have to find the baby's mother. And they find her. This is an episode, by the way, where Felix doesn't speak an Asian dialect, but Nancy does because the woman who.
0: But later on, turns out Felix speaks every right. Asian language. Yeah.
1: And we never find out what happened, why she left the baby. They start the woman who they eventually find the mother, the eventually the mother comes and she starts to say what happened about why she ended up leaving the baby in the studio but then they cut her off. So the whole like yeah. why is this baby here is never explained. It's right. like something And
0: the her. reason they cut her off is that she starts speaking Chinese and no one can understand her cuz she's a foreigner. And one of the things that bothered me the most about this episode and it's kind of jarring is how much that they they make a big deal out of her yes. as being a Chinese baby. Oriental. Or or sorry, Oscar yes. says and what do you Why do you bring yes. an oriental baby home? Yeah. Yeah. And the the mother of Philip says why am i holding this foreigner? Oh and
1: steals the baby at one point because he's not sure
0: whose it is so it's just kind of like i don't know why they had to i mean that's great to have diversity but that they chose a chinese baby in order to make fun of that more or is it to make it more obvious that no one would think it's their child um i don't know i by the way the baby is very good i will say as far as babies go uh in these (laughs)
1: <laughs> baby actors. I'm, I, I, I'm anxious to get on here because i the, the worst episode of the entire series is next
0: wait before you do though oh, yeah i'm just gonna i have sorry ted i have to call you out i can yeah. tell you didn't watch to the end of this the baby
1: okay episode. what happened why What i do? the
0: skit that they are talking about yeah is who's on first oh is that at the end and the tag is them performing who's on first
1: Oh, well, so I mean, maybe I'll go by. Which yeah. is
0: not in itself notable, but I do. I always appreciated the line where Oscar accuses him of, of because you're more concerned about good grammar than comedy, and saying whom's on
1: first. And Felix says, "I did not say that. I may have said you throw the ball to whom." All right, I'm debating if I want to go watch that after. Okay. All right. The worst episode of this show of five years of The Odd Couple is a taste of money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is philip the annoying neighbor who now has an annoying you feel confident right
0: now saying you're putting down a marker this is the worst like confident going forward as we continue watching the rest of the seasons you're confident that no bad episode later is going to be worse than this no the
1: worst episode we haven't talked about later is the frog episode and that is a terrible episode but it's not as bad as this one okay um uh, philip who now has an annoying hat as a along (laughs) with his annoying voice yes uh, he has like, like thousands of dollars in cash. And for some reason, Felix and Oscar are determined to figure out how he got it. And first he says he robbed a bank and they go to a bank and there's a whole bank scene. Sure. And it turns out that was not it. And then he guesses he took the money from these brothers who were inspired by the Collier brothers who are real life New York Horders. City, oh. hoarders who lived in this house in New York in the forties. And when they died, the city had to clean out tons like hundreds of tons of of stuff from their house uh john Quaylen plays one of the brothers who is in the grave episode that we feel is his grave um and the bank manager is played by howard morton who some people may recognize from give me a break he was in the first few seasons of give me a break as a regular character uh but it's just 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 it's just
0: you know i have to say ted terrible. this is one this is one of those few that i just skipped entirely because i just had such bad memories of it. And I'm so glad to be proof and right that uh-huh. I did not suffer through this. I'm if maybe there are fans out there, uh curious to hear I but...
1: don't, I, I don't think those people should listen to our podcast. Like, <laughs> there's no way they can like this and appreciate everything else.
0: Well, now I feel it's a challenge, but um I will say, but I might check it out only because I do love John Quaylen. I oh. forgot that he's in this, I forgot. Okay. I didn't. I wouldn't have realized as a kid about the Collier brothers reference, but that's some. Now that I do know who the Collier brothers are, I'm kind of curious about that. But it is kind of depressing. Uh, uh,
1: The whole season. There's so much depressing stuff in the season, and this is another. Depressing episode. Do you think
0: way. the Philip thing is like a last ditch attempt to set to appease the network? Like, the net, I imagine the network giving notes all season like, no one, you know, we have to sell this to the American public. They don't want to see these two middle aged guys and their uh, exploits. More women, more kids, um, babies, I mean, whatever. Be, and we just, you know, it just seems like that gets I mean, out of Brady hand.
1: Brady Bunch and Partridge Family and the Monkeys are yeah. all kind of popular this time on ABC, and so maybe. I don't know. There's a whole slew of reasons why it could be. I don't know.
0: So glad they got rid of Philip.
1: All right. The next episode is uh, Oscar's New Life. So this is an interesting episode. So this appeared, uh, aired on March 5th, 1971. The premise is this is on Hulu. Now you
0: were right? able to watch this?
1: On Hulu, yes. I did not. Yes. Okay. So um, Oscar is fired from the newspaper and he takes a job at Harem Magazine with John Aston. Do you remember this one? Yes, there? John Aston, okay. yeah. So apparently when this show... First, air Tony uh, Randall and Jack Klugman, like us, hated the laugh track and they wanted this episode to air without a laugh track, which it did. And then, a, I guess, ABC put on a voiceover at the end to say, Have viewers write to ABC to tell them what they thought about the fact there was no laugh track. Hmm. And that apparently helped get the show to change format for season two. So, in a way, we owe a lot to this episode. Uh, ironically, when it aired in syndication and when I watched it on Hulu, it now has a laugh track. So the ABC got their revenge. <laughs> I get, Or Paramount did. It wasn't ABC. who yeah. put oh, it in I syndication. Say, right, right. Uh, so uh, the editor who fires Oscar uh, is played by Edward Platt, who's the chief from Get Smart. Yeah,
0: really weird, huh? Uh,
1: and then the, John Astin plays the editor. He's like, obviously, he's playing Hugh Hefner, who later shows up in the show. Um, he plays Bo Buffingham. And so when Oscar gets fired, Felix gets a gets him a job at uh, Hara Magazine. Although Felix screws everything up, because he the guy Ed Platt was going to hire him back, but Felix went to confront Ed Platt, and Ed Platt got mad at Felix and said, "I'm never hiring him back." So Oscar, so Felix got him this job. Um, and the, there's a model who Felix is shooting in his studio when he introduces um, Beau Buffingham to Oscar. That's the same woman who played the bernie copel's assistant in psychic schmeich oh. <laughs> she's like Ms. a lot. arnett yes yeah. uh what i do when i had forgotten about this episode but as i watched it so so oscar gets his job he goes to meet bo buffingham he has an office and oscar has all these james bond like stuff in his right office. he's got a hidden bedroom he's got right. four tv sets hidden behind right. a wall and as a t- kid who loved tv i thought that was the coolest thing ever i remember this watching this now um But he gets the job, you know, he's it's kind of like when Felix got the job working for his brother in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Gets like this big job working on something that, um, well, I guess new new magazines are more cooler than bubblegum. But he gets a job. Felix comes to visit him. Oscar pretends he's happy, but he's not really happy. And ultimately he quits the job. And there's a bit of a sense of Oscar selling his soul, too. And that's a bit of what happens when Felix goes to Buffalo as well. Uh, uh, there's an art director who's played by George Weiner, who a lot of people may recognize from many many TV shows, including Hill Street Blues. So it's an interesting premise, and there's a lot of interesting. The whole set design of mm-hmm. this office he has is interesting, but ultimately it just kind of just plods along, like nothing yeah. really happens. The
0: anyhow. two things, I, my now I I'd like to re- to uh, revisit this one, but the two associations I make is one that this is like this weird version of playboy magazine where half of the emphasis is on this kind of decadence of all these girls hanging around and he's kind of living this uh, hedonist life you know and the other half as you say is this James. like why does that go hand in hand that he has to have james bond level technology in his you know <laughs> in his
1: office well, uh, speaking of the decadence it's felix who has the women in the episode Felix goes oh. to a party at harem and comes to officer oh, right. office with two more women on his right. own. Says, Oscar, aren't you? Com- Oscar's watching. Oh, right. The Oscar. He's watching like a sporting event because he doesn't care about the party. He cares yeah, about the yeah, sports yeah. and some yeah. guy who he knows got hit with a ball and he doesn't know he's <laughs> okay. So more maudlin <laughs> stuff happens. Right, right. Um, so yes. So Oscar takes no advantage of the right. decadence.
0: And the other thing I, now I do remember, yes, the, 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 the no laugh track. Uh, thing and i remember seeing it often in the 70s or early syndication or whatever with no laugh track oh really
1: and That's what i've read said that that didn't happen but
0: I, I know i saw it with no laugh track various times and i wonder how long it lasted in syndication with that but this freaked me out as a kid and i know i must have been young because i really freaked me out because i uh, I I guess I didn't know what a laugh track was and I it just felt like wow this must be a really sad episode <laughs> so it's funny you mentioned that it's already is kind of a depressing episode but it really feels that way when you see it without the laugh track because there's not there's no big jokes in it and so it does play as a dramatic and not very good dramatic uh, script but it bummed me out as a kid it, I hated this episode because like wow why is this so sad uh, and then when I saw it later with the laugh track, that was also weird. So I recommend, this is a great experiment. If you're able to get, if somehow, if anyone has the copy of the no laugh track one to watch them side by side, it's a great uh, experiment in what a laugh, the effect of a laugh track. all of a sudden things seem funny that weren't funny.
1: Well, nothing. really, Or not, thought, or yeah, not yeah. <laughs> in this case. Uh, also, there's a scene that um, we Tony Randall's crossing the street outside yeah. And you see people on yeah. the street react to Tony Randall. Yeah.
0: Establish- I noticed there's a bunch of they, a bunch of, of the uh, uh, the street scenes that they shot, the establishing shots. You do know, you, you wonder, people are, they're shooting them from a long distance. So there's no cameras on the street sometimes. And I think Gary Marshall wanted that realism. But every now and then you see people clearly looking at Tony Randall on the street. This is the
1: most obvious. There's like four individual people who look up and point yeah. at Tony Randall. Yeah. Uh, all right, we have three episodes left, only two of which we've seen. Okay, so number we're almost twenty-two. There. What makes Felix run? March 12, nineteen seventy-one. Oscar tries to get Felix to be less neat/slash more me- messy in order to be less annoying to Gloria, she will take him back. So it's another episode where Felix is pining over Gloria. Uh, you know, this is kind of an interesting premise that they do better later, where Oscar tries to get Felix. Roll reversal. Role Are you reversal. thinking of roll reversal? Right. Well, that's my favorite episode of the entire show. That's right. my opposite. But it's a similar, similar premise. effect to that. Although that was intentional. This is right. more that, you know, Felix as actually, uh, Nancy diagnoses a specific psychological condition that causes Felix to be messy. I'll get to that in a second. Um, so this episode probably could have been good in a three camera format, um, in a, you know, as, a, as, a, as an addition to role reversal. So here what's interesting was we see Felix play his own grandfather again. Which yes. I did not realize that happened twice. <laughs> right. In this episode, it's almost <laughs> the same as the grandfather we saw, but here he's it is about the same age, but he's talking to Felix as a kid. Right. Not as a so fifth Felix, year old has,
0: man. no, let me let me lay this out even more. He, Felix has a flashback, tells yes. a story of when he was a kid, who clearly the way he's dressed and the decor, it's like we're in the 1930s or something, or 20s, and he has a grandfather who's clearly like an 80 year old man. Funny enough, next season, we're going to find Felix, as a grown-up adult, uh, some 40
1: years later, also has an 80-year-old grandfather. Now, the only way that I can explain, there is one possible explanation that makes it work, was that the grandfather in the flashback is from a different parent than the grandfather. theoretically possible, or step-parent, or some kind of... I'm going to talk it up to uh, inconsistency and continuity.
0: And just quickly, about uh, uh, Tony's randall's portrayal it is a variation it has a he has a similar costume and makeup but yeah. much more of a thick accent. yiddish yes. yiddish accent yes,
1: yes. and accent. this
0: is tony randall basically outing felix unger as jewish i think
1: so in the episode like oscar starts to bring all this mess and garbage from his from his room to felix's room and eventually felix has what is this actually said in the episode as a temporary schizoid aberration where the solution is to pour water on his face, which sounds ridiculous, but there is a, there is a, a funny scene. Funny. I don't use that. There's an amusing clever scene where Felix is now messy. His shirt is right. messy. We see it again. Again, we see Tony Randall taking his yeah. shirt Somehow uh, after season one, they said, Tony, stop taking your shirt off. We, he's got food on the floor and it's kind of like, it reminds me more of the episode where Felix hypnotizes Oscar to be neat. Oh,
0: uh-huh. Right. It reminds
1: me a little more of that. And um, and it's, a, it's like a interesting to see Felix be messy for the first time. And to
0: see Tony Randall show a total... He, he he It's kind of shocking, actually, because we're so used to seeing Tony Randall as Felix. And we don't realize how capable Tony Randall is of acting in a completely different way. And completely crude and... Uh, he's very good in that. But the scene. solution is he spritz. You know, he has this. Just, yes, well, he got to have a seltzer in the face. He has seltzer bottle. Comedy, man. So Ted, you're leaving out the worst part oh, of yeah. this. The worst scene in this episode, yeah. which may very well be the worst scene in season one, if not, and by extension, perhaps the whole series. Yeah. The dream sequence. Oh,
1: what? Where is that? Did I not have that in my? That's name? in
0: this episode, right? Where he goes to have he dreams, he goes to heaven.
1: Yeah, I must, I typed that in my notes and now so, I someone missed it. Yeah, so, this uh, is
0: worse than The Christmas Carol.
1: Yeah, so if Oscar tries to get Felix to like get drunk to make him messy or something and Felix passes out and dreams that he's in heaven, but can't get in and Oscar's the gatekeeper because he's too neat and they have wings on. And yes, they have to
0: they wear these stupid costumes, these cheap costumes with the wings on the cheapest possible set. Oh. and Jack Klugman's walking around with a halo bounce of cheap halo plastic halo bouncing around on his Mets cap. yeah, and they are trying their best as actors to play this scene, you know, to the hilt. but it was uh, this was the one where I felt really embarrassed. This is the only time you say this a lot, but this is the scene where I felt really
1: embarrassed. So I also think. I'm guessing here that I feel like this is the time where "It's a Wonderful Life" started to become, oh, maybe more known on public television. Yeah, it's maybe that kind of thing, right? Middle, it feels like "It's a Wonderful Life" inspired to me, um, but it's it's terrible and it has no it's like no reason for it.
0: No, no, absolutely none. Yeah, and and uh, and of course, Oscar sends him to hell at the end, <laughs> like he re- rejects him from. I the...
1: do not think it's the worst scene in the whole. Okay. You know? But I understand you taking yeah. that point of view, and it is it,
0: typical of uh, during this season one. It seems like Marshall, Gary Marshall, and Breslin uh, are experimenting a lot. They're trying a lot of different.
1: Belson. You said Breslin. Belson,
0: sorry, uh, Jerry Belson, are trying out a lot of different ways to do this show on television, and they do experiment with a lot of dream sequences and uh and weird stuff and i'm so glad they abandoned that once once they got into the three camera format you can't do that crap it's like you know you got to be a little more realistic so the closest is good.
1: they get to that is in the bowling episode where felix's conscience is talking to him oh uh-huh. and there's a little devil yeah. and devil. oh right yeah okay <laughs> by the way we forgot to mention so jerry belson and gary marshall wrote the eskimo episode which I'm which is not good <laughs> they also wrote the horseradish which is good yeah that one is so i think those are the two other episodes they wrote this they're one for
0: three
1: uh so yeah so that 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 uh dream sequence which um again i I remember writing it up and i somehow missed it in my notes um okay so episode 23 march nineteenth, 1971 another really bad episode what does a naked lady say to you Felix is dating a woman who thinks she's a who says to him she's a librarian, but she really is a actress in a nude play. And nude plays were a big thing at the time. There was hair, and Oak Calcutta. And there's this play called Steam Bath, and the play she's in is called Bathtub, which is a riff of Steam Bath. Steam Bath is a play that ran for three and a half months. starred Anthony Perkins, Hector Elizondo, oh. and Conrad Bain. Wow. There's nudity. All naked. Nudity in it. I don't know who was naked in it, but. Oh. Okay. So here, yeah, like Oscar recognizes the woman Felix is dating from, I guess, busting the play. It all feels so dated. Murray, sorry, what did I say, Oscar? Yeah, Murray uh, busts, recognizes her, and then Oscar and Vinny go to the play and find out she's in it. Then Oscar has to tell Felix that, you know, there's something going on here. Then he goes to the play and finds out, and I guess they break up because I don't think Felix can take it. And it's just very cookie-cutter storytelling, A to B to C, and it's nothing really funny, and it's very dated. I mean, The Natural Childbirth was dated. This is so dated because of the type of play going on. Uh, Marge Doucet plays the woman, Madeline. She's a lot of daytime soaps. She was also Blair's mother in Facts of Life. Who's Blair? Blair Warner. From Facts of Life? Oh, Facts of Life. I thought different strokes. I was getting
0: confused
1: here. Blair's mother. Okay. Lisa Welchel.
0: Okay. Okay. You don't watch <laughs> Facts of Life as a kid? I, I that I have, I just don't remember it. Okay. Bye. Really.
1: Uh, Johnny Silver is in this episode as yes, well. He's hilarious. And is Ogden Talbot. Did, missed him. Missed yeah. Him. He's one of the. I think he's in the play, or no, he's in okay. the audience. Yeah. Okay. When I can't remember that's a Vinny. Epi- the, when Oscar Vinny are there or yeah. whatever. Anyway, it's like there's nothing amusing here. Uh, well, Ted, I gotta yeah, say. Oh no. You like this, <laughs> this is all. Well, oh, look, a second, look. But there's a reason you like yes. this, and
0: you have to tell why you like this. This is about the theater, and I'm a okay. theater person, so well, so you're not a theater person, you teach theater professionally. Yes, I yes. teach theater, I've, I've been involved in professional theater in various yes. ways, and okay, and I'm a student of theater history. And this, you're right, it is dated, but I and I think that's one reason I like it is that it captures this one subculture of these old Calcutta type of plays that were going on at the you know, late sixties, early seventies, and where we're really a thing. Uh, and there's a lot of really enjoyable for me or for theater nerds, theater spoof satire stuff going on uh, about how the play's legitimate, it wins awards. It's like, so it's kind of, it's very, it's just, a, it's more of a spoof of avant-garde theater than it is about, you know, porn. And uh, like, so Johnny Silver, hilarious, who you think is just this bu- this kind of uh, dirty old man in a raincoat sitting in the audience. Turns out to be the author of the play. And he his favorite thing is he sits at every performance and he yells to the girls, like, take it off. It's aesthetic. Um and oh, and that. and a cameo by very important person, one Harvey Miller, the one of the head writers on the show, who is billed by his real name, Harvey Skolnick, playing the penguin, playing the uh the the naughty penguin who keeps oh, annoying people the in the audience. Penguin. So you get to see the real harvey miller slash harvey skolnick uh do a little cameo which is nice um yeah there's a little romance of the theater for me in it i like i like tony randall's at the end does this nice very corny but very sweet oh. thing about the theater yeah i you know. you is hate that, that.
1: does he recite shakespeare or something at yes the end? yes oh but I,
0: I could see tony randall loving that you know, oh this yes is, this to me is actually tony randall pushing where felix yes. is going yeah, He'll just yeah, very yeah. much the kind of thing felix will keep doing uh also has one of my favorite lines of at least this season which was when oscar discovers that the girlfriend is not a librarian after seeing the show and he asks her so you work at the library during the day you do this at night and she's going no did you have
1: a library card that's one of my favorite lines okay yeah by the way did she make her entire living from this play is that what we're supposed to assume
0: yeah because it turns out she has nothing to do with the library okay
1: could you live an, well on which appearing? is which is also challenging that this would not pay a lot of money no. yeah that's not a point all right uh then the last episode of the season we didn't watch but i remember it kind of in my head trapped where felix oscar and nancy are trapped in the basement they're going to masquerade parties party This has philip in it stuff. doesn't it, it has philip in it <laughs> Felix is dressed in a devil's cup. i remember oh there's God. a dumb waiter where yes, they're pulling the, a dumb waiter up yeah. to get help and they he, he it has to run into the all these people rider. yeah yeah, it's I don't I don't miss. We did we did not watch this. We did not watch this. It was no. not available to in be our fair, legitimate. But state. I think
0: they did us a favor because yeah, I,
1: it's like fine. I I do remember the dumb later, and all he would do is say why we don't like it. All right, well, I think we spent this podcast is our longest <laughs> whatever well, we did marathon. do twenty. We did cover twenty four episodes in some form or another, even if we didn't watch it. Uh, but you know what. When we started this podcast, we had this whole debate. How are we can talk about season one? Are we going to talk about season one? We didn't start at the beginning. So I actually feel very good, yes. cathartic in a way, that yes. we pushed past this, done it. <laughs> and we had to do it. We, we had, had to do it. We had to we do it. To we do had, it. To we do. had to be completed. got to face it. You got to face the it, past. We did it far more thoroughly than I ever yeah, thought we would.
0: that's true. But probably all for the best because it was, you know what, it was hard to pick
1: really, I mean, yes. if there were, yeah, I could have I could have picked my one or two, but this was much better. No, we we we, yeah. we did the just we did our duty as and you're saying never again. Of course. What would we do again? <laughs> well, the ones we didn't get to watch. No, we, we just said there's no <laughs> reason to watch. Never them. again. No, no. Never we again. The worst thing we could do, the most difficult thing we would ever do in the future is to watch the odd couple reunion movie, which uh-huh. I tried to watch recently. Uh-huh. and it is, That is no as painful. no. Definitely. Um, all right. Well, thing. we don't have to worry. We have three more seasons of this show to get to. Season
0: three starts off really good. I'm and just I checking it out. I, yeah.
1: I don't think we're going to have to skip any more episodes. I'll, I'll even talk about the frog episode. Okay. Good. Okay. All right. Well, uh, if you anyone has feedback, people who are more knowledgeable about season one or want us to say something next time that we missed, uh, you can send us emails at 1049pod at gmail.com uh and we will talk to you again with starting with season three i have awesome okay uh i can't quote a line to you from this whole season because i don't remember anything goodbye goodbye